Hello, everybody. Shalom Aleichem. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Shabbat Shalom to all my Yidin. This is going to be talking about TikTok wisdom, project management, and something else that already I forget and I just talked about it. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. In James Allen's As a Man Thinketh, he says, Good thoughts bear good fruit, bad thoughts bear bad fruit. He also mentions that what you seek is not what you want. It's who you are. Moving on to some TikTok wisdom. Ironically, when we start to get better and heal, we get sad. And that's okay because we realize how much we've missed out on, how people have failed us, what we deserved in the past. So healing involves grieving. There's no way around it. And that's okay. That's why if you are trying to become a better person, you're starting to understand your past and your awareness of your consciousness. It's okay if you get a little sad and it becomes a little... Um, you get into a state of solitude. That's okay. All the outcomes in your life are just delayed measures of your habits. Think about that. Your weight, it's a lagging measure of your health habits. Your clutter, it's a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. Your bank account's a lagging measure of your financial habits. And guess what creates those habits? Is your embodiment of your identity. Change your goddamn identity and you will change those habits. Like I said in a past episode, your self-image and your habits go hand in hand. Okay, gear up for this concept. Concept. Everyone we meet is a mirror. They reflect back to us what we dislike, fear about ourselves and others. And get this, if someone's really confident and we don't like that, we're unattracted. It's because it reminds us of the lack of confidence we have in ourselves or that we fear or have been taught to not like the concept of confidence. On the contrary, if we see confidence and we're attracted, we like it. It's because it reflects that we've been taught it's a good thing to be confident or it reflects our confidence we like about ourselves. And you can fill in the word confidence with literally anything and that is how we dictate who we like and don't like. A young man's greatest life lesson. If you couldn't say anything, live a life in which people would know who you were thanks to your actions and only your actions. Now, Tim Ferriss on his podcast, he said, for people that kvetch and and worry about what others think about them, they're insecure about it, this might help. Okay, people are egotistical. They're extremely selfish. Most people, including you and, and even me, like we all think about our own life more than other lives. Unless you have children, sometimes that's not the case. But still, you're thinking about your children's life. You're not thinking about that person at the bus stop that wore the funny looking shoes. So people don't care or remember things that you've said or worn. You know, that alone can put you at ease. Everyone looks at themselves as the main character in their movie even if they deny that. And so just remember that the next time you're worried what a stranger stranger or even a friend is going to think about you. Now, personally, this is just me adding my opinion. People remember how you make them feel, not what you say. And so I personally think that people are aware of how you make them feel. So don't think like you say something hurtful and you're like, ah, okay, they'll forget about it because they're just worried about their own life. No, no, no. If you made them feel a certain way, they will remember that. If you have to run in the rain because of your goals, the lesson there has nothing to do with the rain itself, but the representation of the rain. The rain resembles a test, okay? What other tests in your life are you receiving to see if you are truly determined to get what you want? Gear up for a serious spiel. Take a couple minutes here. This is not a quick point. Remember, children want to be heard, not fixed. I'm going to say that one more time. Children want to be heard, not fixed. Now, adults are the exact same way. 
adults and children alike, they don't need someone telling you how to run your own life. However, people can show us that's different. It is ultimately condescending when someone says, you're such a fucking idiot. You need to tell, uh, you need me to tell you what to do. Cause that, that's what that 23 year old in the basement hears is you're an idiot. You need me to tell you what to do. That's what that kid hears. What people need is room for their own authentic voice to come out. Nothing is more motivating than your own authentic voice. Not someone telling you how to think, but you telling you how to think. That's the most motivating thing. And and then people will say, oh, to, to this therapist, they say, Sven, well, it, you know, I've got this kid in the basement. If I just let them do what they want, they'll go fuck up their life even further. And this guy, he goes, let? You'll let them? What do you mean let? It's not your life. You realize that, right? Like the reason they're in the basement, unmotivated, stuck, is because deep down they're saying, fuck you, old man. Fuck you, mom, for always trying to control me and undermine me. You know, never hearing their voice is what's causing these things to come out. They think to themselves, it's always about you and your expectations and making you the parent proud. Or is it, quote, always in your best interest, honey? And, and then he says, you know, fuck off is what they say. And it's, it's kind of true. So he says, has it ever occurred to people that you need to just shut the fuck up? Give that child and remember adults room to heal. Heal from the damage that you did from always being that voice telling you how to think. And you're never supporting and allowing the expression of their authentic voice. You know, never allowing them to make their own mistakes without criticism. They just needed room to heal, period. Nothing else. Whether it's a professional way or not, get them a way to hear their own authentic voice. I personally, I like to, and this is me talking, this is not, I'm not paraphrasing anymore. With my youngsters, because I've learned some stuff about this, and even things like telling a child, are you proud of yourself? Or you should be proud of yourself instead of I am proud of you. Because then what does that do? That reinforces that they need to do things for the adult. They need to only please other people, not themselves. So, anyways, uh... That, that's like you have to find ways to give a child and other adults in your life ways to hear their authentic voice. And then the therapist here, he says, you know, he says bullshit. You know, they need to stop. He says this is what, this is what uh, parents will say is, is bullshit. The kid needs to stop blaming their fucking parents, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, really genius? Like that's like telling my plumber, master plumber of 25 years. Hey, you should install the water heater like X, Y, and Z. You know, and then, but the plumber there is thinking, yeah, you know, you should go shut the fuck up and go upstairs and, and screw yourself because I'm, I'm the one that's done this forever. I know what I'm talking about. And this is exactly, exactly how people talk to children. And, and it's different. I understand for kids from the ages of one to six or seven, but after that, they start to think for themselves and, and you can hold their hand through that process without telling them how to think, but just guiding them to think. That's it. Just guide them to think, but not how to think. And this therapist, he says, the worst thing that could happen actually is not your kid being in the basement, is them actually residing by your plans, living on your agenda. And he says, you all know what? Because then 15 years down the road, they'll be in my office, kvetching to me, miserable, depressed, hating their parents. He says here, a recipe for misery is to live on someone else's agenda. And, and he finishes off with just saying, you know, like, shut the fuck up, let your child heal. And it's like the analogy of a butterfly leaving a cocoon. You cannot help that butterfly leave the cocoon, otherwise they will die. It, it is actually hurting them in the long run. 
you have to let a child and other adults in your life struggle, okay? So they can build up the resilience and toughness to get through shit. However, as the parent, you can prevent a gust of wind from crushing that cocoon, okay? But you have to let them get out of that cocoon. They can't know that you've protected the wind, you know what I mean? But even then, that's a hot take. They could know that you protect them from the gust of wind metaphorically, but they can't be helped to get out of the cocoon. That's the main point. Let them struggle. Anyways, next point, Mel Robbins, some book author, speaker, says you can't control your feelings, but you can control your behaviors. You have to parent yourself. Here's a bit of an epiphany I had. Lots of questions to ponder here, okay? Is who or what do you identify as? Do you identify as the cells in your body? Do you identify with those? Are those your cells? Your neurons? Are those your limbs? What about your thoughts? Are they your thoughts? What about your consciousness? Do you identify with your consciousness? The awareness of all those things? You know, do we identify because we sense personal ownership over these things? I don't know. And then what even dictates you owning something? Paying for it? We didn't pay for our cells and neurons. Uh, having it for a long period of time? Maybe you've had stuff for a while and you, so you feel you own it. When you borrow something, is it yours? Briefly. So, yeah. Do Are we ourselves because we own it but only for this lifetime? Like then it moves on to a plant or something else when we decompose and then it's the plant cell? Like, so, because we borrow everything. Everything is borrowed even our thoughts. Uh, so is it ours when we borrow something? Or is it the plants and we're just borrowing the plant cell because it's going to go to the plant? Or something before us? Like uh, our cells were in our parents or something? I don't know. It came from somewhere. Like seriously, when we when we borrow something, is it ours? And then aren't we borrowing everything? Kind of like I mentioned. And do we feel control of something? Uh, do we Do we feel we have control of something we identify as? Is that why... We identify as our cells, neurons, limbs, or like, and even that, that's a subjective question, but let's hypothetically say you do identify as your cell. Is it because you control it? You can control that cell technically. Um, is that why we identify as it? Is the control? But think about it. We no longer have control of these items when we're dead or knocked out. So like I say, is it ours just for this period of time and we understand that? I don't know. This is all just philosophy. And I know some people hate questions without answers, but these are all philosophical questions without answers. So I'm sorry about that. But hopefully you now think about like, oh, we are borrowing. Does that make everything ours? What is ownership? <laughs> it's really interesting. Anyways, we're, I want to move on. There's this project management thing on LinkedIn Learning. And yeah, I know it's completely switching topics i understand that but let's let's do this uh so we're going from all that wisdom to actually how to properly manage a project which i i learned this the very first lockdown like almost two years ago and it blew my mind and i forever i wrote it down because i just couldn't forget this stuff it relates to real estate in my opinion for renovations but for any project any event this applies let's start so time cost and quality those are the pillars of a project you must understand which one's the key driver, okay? Of time, cost, and quality, what do you need the most? Is the project very time-oriented? Uh, do you need to ball out and make it schmaltzy so the cost will matter? Or are people expecting out of that project quality? And you can't necessarily have all of them. You could, but it'll be expensive and take a while. You have to figure out what the most important is because you cannot lack that. 
the fellow who teaches this for a living, he, he mentioned off the kickoff meeting. You get your whole team together or you, you email everyone what they want from the project. So then you, you know, guide them towards those pillars and tell them which one's most important. You cannot start the project until everyone's up to speed on those three pillars, cost, time, and quality, which is so crucial. And then organization. So put everything into writing, he says, because people will forget things. It's inevitable. And you got to bring it back up. Again, I really want you to think of a, a project that could happen in your life or an event that you might partake in in your life and that this will apply to that. I guarantee it. Like a wedding even or something. You know what I mean? Anyways, uh, for planning. Oh, and he says for organization, more detail, the better actually. Let's move on to planning. List out tasks. Preferably with your team. Could be an email. So for example, to build a home. That means building a kitchen. And to build a kitchen means putting cabinets together. To put cabinets together means thinking about which handles will be on those cabinets. So know who is going to take care of the handles. You know what I mean? Don't just think about who's going to take care of building the home. Look at the tiny details. What needs to be done first for that end result? Who is going to take care of the handles? He mentions in regards to time frames, research how long people usually take to get that job done that you want, realize the quickest possible time it could take and the longest, then average it out in the middle. Uh, He showed this via a bell curve, it was like a cool little chart, and he says give some buffer room, uh, assuming it'll be a little longer than the average. And then I mentioned my own comments here, personally, I actually think you should allot for way more capital in reserves in case of black swan events. And because this guy didn't really do that, he just took the average and went a little farther to be safe. I think you should go real safe and just assume it will take the longest time possible and save up the capital there, unless you want to risk it. Uh, Okay, he says create a network diagram. This is really interesting. I never heard about this until I took this course, which was why this fascinated me. And everyone can use this stuff in their own lives. If you have a computer or phone accessible, if you're driving, do not pull it out. But if so, look up a network diagram. Pretty much you're You start at one place, the first step of the project, which might be if we're building a house, it might be to buy the lumber or buy the handles. So then you think, okay, that'll take a day. And you draw a line, you say one day. And then the second bubble is like install the handles and install the the framing. Maybe that takes a week. So then you have seven days and that attaches to the next task after that. But then maybe between those two tasks. So while you're you're fixing the handles and, and framing the house, There's another bubble actually at the same point. They've not gone before or in front of the other. And that would be to uh, maybe like sweep up the house, make sure it's clean, like a clean job site. I'm just throwing it out there. And that maybe takes um, one day. And so now you have a task that takes seven days, one takes one. And after that sweeping is done, you then have to, I don't know, lay the flooring, for example. And maybe that takes a week. And then beside the bubble that shows seven days for setting up the, the cabinets, the handles, it's then like paint the cabinets. Maybe that takes two days. And so now the lines all start changing and you get to see which is the longest path. That's what I'm getting to here is the guy that created this, this, I guess, uh, LinkedIn learning thing <clears throat> says, find the longest path. And once you found the longest path, you can calculate how long the project will take. Now, the network chart is okay he recommends gantt charts for people that have actually taken this in school the gantt charts everyone knows about this but since i did not take this in school it was mind-blowing it's the same thing but visually a little more organized so you'd have that week task and the one day task and you'd see 
oh, okay, the one day task is just one seventh of the week task. So then let's say a task does take six days, like laying floor down takes six days. Now you can lay the floor down while someone builds the kitchen. So now you're not only sweeping the floor, but laying the floor down all in the same time it takes to lay down the kitchen. So instead of the project, let's say you're a one man show, instead of it taking uh, two weeks because you lay down the floor and sweep and then do the kitchen, that's two weeks, you actually have it done in one week because you've just hired someone to uh, do them at the same time. And that is what the Gantt chart does, but on a huge scale. And you can really organize and compress your schedule. This is the magic of project management, which blew my mind. I'm so glad I took this course. And you can actually apply this to anything in your life. So let's say you're baking something. Instead of putting the pie in and then just fucking off on your phone for an hour, you put the pie in, you say, oh, an hour, good, I'm going to vacuum the house. You vacuum the house. And then instead of your day being two hours long, it's an hour long and you've gotten double the work done. You can do this all the time as long as your mental health is okay. I don't want you stressing yourself out with just com- constant multitasking and Gantt charting. <laughs> Anyways, a big tip this guy says is get second opinions for everything and that will make sure you uh, manage risk well. He says you can't change the likelihood of weather or the seriousness of f- falling, but you can make falling less likely and the weather less serious if you plan. I know that sounds like a tongue twister, but hear me out. That tongue twister means things that are really serious, you can reduce, 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 reduce the risk. And then he's saying the things that are inevitable, you can reduce the seriousness, but you cannot ever re- do the opposite. <laughs> you can't just eliminate a storm from happening and you can't just make falling less serious. No, you, you have to flip that. Now in, in the section called controlling a project, he talks about keep a line on the Gantt chart. So you're up to date, you know where you are in that Gantt chart chart or color in what's been accomplished and what um, needs to be done ahead of time or sorry I I didn't say that right but yeah you know what I'm saying (laughs) color in what's been accomplished you know where you're at then look at the pace of your network diagram this is where making both is awesome because you know if you're on pace or behind pace and that costs money when you're behind and we swing right back to the three pillars quality cost and time so let's say you're behind pace you're like oh god so now you have to reduce the quality because time's speeding up so your time is more important and you have to spend more um but let's say you're going ahead of schedule right you can then save on cost maybe increase the quality uh, again it all changes and then he laughs he's saying like if you're behind pace there are a bunch of options you can overlap tasks that might have not been overlapped again reducing quality however he says or you just let the project slip and just do nothing and hope but he laughs and says like that's not an actual option anyways there you go i've been speaking really fast but the review of that it oh silly me i'm like oh the review no he says you must review your project at the very end so you learn from your mistakes you got to review it. you got to go through maybe even type out what you would have done better or left out completely for your next project and then you'll have that in the document and you'll never make that mistake again and you're good you'll be just crushing all your projects and crush life hope you enjoyed that now we're going again pivoting completely to trading and i'm not a day trader never want to be because it's really risky a lot of people don't make money in the long term day trading but one of my favorite investors online actually a real estate investor he's very savvy with all investment vehicles so he did something called riding the wheel in the stock market and i couldn't grasp this at first but it's really cool once you understand i'll keep it super simple so uh pretty much you buy a stock that you know will go up and down like all stocks do but you know it will constantly go up that's the thing it will constantly go up you let's say okay let's just say it's facebook okay you know that stock will always go up and up and up you buy it when it's been going up for a little while 
but you predict it to go down in the next, let's say, month, because you know it will go down at least 50 cents, okay? At least. You know that. That's inevitable because it's always going up and down. So then what you do, since you bet on it to go in the next month to go down 50 cents, uh, it happens. You collect your premiums because other people buy that from you. Like other people bet against you and there's this thing in the stock market. So you make money because you predict it to go down. And even though it could go down by $2, but you've made your money on the 50 cents, which might not sound like a lot, but it could be depending on how much you risk. So again, I'll, I'll start from scratch and now that you understand how people are buying and selling these contracts of gambling when the price go up and down. You understand that. So you Facebook has gone up for a bit. So you predict, okay, in the next month, it will go down 50 cents. You make that a little bit of money there because you predicted right. It just keeps cooking like two bucks, which you would have made more money if you predicted that, but you're not a schmo and, or a shlemuzzle or a shlemiel. So you don't. You then predict it will go up 50 cents once it's near the bottom. And it goes up, let's say, $5, but it doesn't matter because you made your money on the 50 cents. You keep doing this. You know it's up, 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 and you'll just bet it to go down 50 cents the next month again or the next two months. It does that. You make your, And you're always making these little spreads. And then since it's Facebook, you know it's a blue chip that will always go up. You sell it one day if you want. And he says it's just a way to make extra money while the stock appreciates. And it's called riding the wheel, and that's how a lot of people, instead of just putting a 1000 bucks on it to go down a couple dollars excuse me i just ate a bunch of fruit uh you bet on it to this is kind of exhausting to talk about you bet on it uh, instead of just what did i say instead of a thousand bucks on that little 50 cent drop some people let's say drop a hundred grand because they know this works they know it's going to go up and down constantly and now we're talking like you know if you're getting a little one percent one percent spread on 100 grand every month now we're making 10 grand a month it's like and that's just how it works. But obviously, sometimes shit happens. So like, let's say at the beginning of COVID two years ago, March 16th, the market crashed completely more than 50 cents. Let's say the market goes down um, a full like 30 bucks. It was like a 50% drop. Then uh, you're fucked. Then you get assigned and you have to pay out those losses. And that's just why day trading kind of sucks. But if... It's a risk, but in the short term, you can make some money. It's called riding the wheel. So anyone that really likes stocks, I hope you followed me there. The recap is you're just betting on it to go down a little bit and you're betting on it to go up a little bit and you keep doing that as it slowly appreciates and you're just raking in the money on these tiny, tiny margins, not risking it at all, even though you could have made more money risking it. You don't. You just make a little buck here and there and over time it adds up, obviously. Yeah. I think I'll save the rest of this for another talk. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I can't wait to get back to the TikTok wisdom, which is coming. But uh, yeah, I wish you all the best, honestly. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for listening to me ramble. This is fun for me. I like to get all this out. Take care. Have a great weekend. Well, there you have it. I hope I didn't just confuse the hell out of you, but I enjoy, whatever. I enjoy doing this. So it doesn't really matter. I don't make money doing this. This is just a hobby, and I'm glad you're here to ride that hobby out with me. Yeah, enjoy your weekend. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. Take care.